Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Austin is adapting to and building the future in real time. I'm Michael Scharf. We are exploring and driving our transformation into the next innovation powerhouse. I'm Jason Scharf. I'm a bio-researcher at UT to the assembly line worker at Tesla, from the musician on 6th Street to the coder at Dell. And with the founders, funders, and early employees of the next great startup, we are all Austin Next. Amos Schwarzfarb was born in the Bronx, New York, and grew up in Fort Lee, New Jersey. At a young age, Amos started seeking adventure and pushing limits. While attending college at UMass, he fell in love with rock climbing. In 1993, pursuing this passion, he relocated to Northern California. Soon, he took a job packing boxes for Shoreline Mountain Project. Amos helped turn an old-school mail-order company into one of the first e-commerce companies and launched his career in the startup world. Shoreline later sold to Mountain Gear. Well, after Shoreline, Amos spent a few years adventure racing, where his team ranked second in the nation twice and 20th in the world after competing the grueling 2001 Eco Challenge. During this time, Amos also found himself back in the startup scene and went on to six more, including Hotjobs.com, Work.com, Business.com, My Spoonful, Black Locust, and Joust. At each company, his responsibility was always directly related to figuring out product market fit, early sales, and building sales organizations. Fast forward to 2015, when he moved over to the investor side as the managing director of Techstars here in Austin. Now, after over 70 seed stage investments, Amos has become one of the most active early stage investors in Texas. He is also the author of Sell More Faster, the ultimate sales playbook for startups. Amos wrote this book using his experience and his network to create a guide to help every founder and startup sales leader in their request to build a big and meaningful business. Amos still enjoys the outdoors and spends much of his free time mountain biking, rock climbing, and cooking with his wife and two daughters. Amos, welcome to the Austin Next podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. It's really great to be here. Well, I want to kick it off with, you know, on the Techstars website, you're quoted as saying, Austin is by far the most collaborative startup ecosystem I've ever been a part of. Everyone truly wants everyone else to win. Can you expand on your view of Austin and the ecosystem here? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, you know, I, I actually, I, I, I said that like seven years ago or six years ago, and I would say not only does it still stand today, I see all of the people that have been around for a while really trying to continue that, you know, with that, that theme and that flavor and, and new people coming in, you know, if they don't have what, what I'm about to explain what that is, they either feel like an outsider or they quickly adapt the way that they think. And, and what I mean by that is, and I, I, I'll, I'll tell a story about when I first arrived here, uh, I think it's been around 13 years now, I came from LA. I'm a New Yorker. I've, I, you know, I did the early part of my startup life in the '90s in the Bay Area, and so I had this expectation that one, it would be not easy to network. It would take a whole bunch of really, really hard work, 
And then as an East Coaster, uh, you know, one thing like people, it's really hard to break down barriers, you know, for those of you out there, right? Like, but once you break down a barrier with an East Coaster, like you've got a, a, you know, a brother or sister for life. On the West Coast, what I found was breaking down barriers was really easy, but there was a lot of insincerity in connections. Um, people seem to always be looking over your shoulder for like, is there something bigger or better? And what I found here was the most beautiful combination of the best of those things without the worst of those things. So what I mean by that is uh, you meet someone, it's really easy to become friends with them in that moment and for the barriers to disappear. And the sincerity behind the words of the people that, that you would meet would be, would be real. So someone would say, hey, I know four people who you should meet and they would offer those people up, make the introductions. And then those four people would likely, you know, like three or four or three and three fourths of those four people would have the exactly the same type of uh, temperament and, and, you know, uh, the way that you interact with them. It, it was, it was beautiful. And I remember 13 years ago, and I think it's very much still present today. And so, so another way to describe that maybe in shorter hand is people really want the people around them here to be successful. And so while everyone is competitive with themselves, there isn't this like, oh, they're doing better than me. So I don't want to help them because I want to get ahead of them. It's like, wow, I, how can I help them be better? Because I think it'll come back and help me also. It's, I mean, we've only been here for about, you know, 10 months now. And it's, I, it's amazing how much that story resonates and how quickly kind of explored and connected to so many different people. And lots of it's been, as you just said, hey, I'll introduce you to four different people. And then they go and actually make those introductions the next day. Yeah. And those four people all end up being wonderful people also doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would know like nobody knew who the heck I was when I when I friends with them in that moment and for the barriers to disappear and the sincerity behind the words of the people that that you would meet would be would be real. So someone would say, hey, I know four people who you should meet and they would offer those people up, make the introductions. And then those four people would likely, you know, like three or four or three and three fourths of those four people would have the exactly the same type of uh, temperament and, and, you know, uh, the way that you interact with them. It, it was, it was beautiful. And I remember 13 years ago, and I think it's very much still present today. And so, so another way to describe that maybe in shorter hand is people really want the people around them here to be successful. And so while everyone is competitive with themselves, there isn't this like, oh, they're doing better than me. So I don't want to help them because I want to get ahead of them. It's like, wow, I, how can I help them be better? Because I think it'll come back and help me also. It's, I mean, we've only been here for about, you know, 10 months now. And it's, I, it's amazing how much that story resonates and how quickly kind of explored and connected to so many different people. And lots of it's been, as you just said, hey, I'll introduce you to four different people. And then they go and actually make those introductions the next day. Yeah. And those four people all end up being wonderful people also doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would know like nobody knew who the heck I was when I, when I came to town and why would they? I was, you know, like I was some dude from LA and I could not believe how quickly I felt accepted here. Well, it's been interesting. You said you've been here for 13 years. The quote was from seven years ago. The last 18 months have just seen a crazy amount of change, including, you know, as we're recording this, you know, Tesla just announced they're moving their headquarters here. So how have you seen kind of the dynamic of the ecosystem change? So there's a couple of ways to answer that. And, and I'll start with like just the reality that my world, the longer I've been in the role at Techstars, 
has become come consumed with early stage companies and not just in the Techstars community, but the Techstars community is pretty massive. So I'm pretty inviting of every single person who wants to come in, but my like day-to-day world is pretty consumed in, in that. And what I have found is that um, new founders coming to town are often sort of like you and I surprised by how like sincere and open and collaborative the community is. I have found um, recently that there, you know, there are some Bay Area folks that are maybe a little more established. And I shouldn't say just Bay Area, but West Coast folks. And I'm not seeing it as much from East Coast folks. And I know I'm making some gross generalizations here, but it's just my experience. West Coast folks who come here that are a little more established in their career, it takes them a little longer to, to sort of recognize that it's not bullshit, that there's actually sincerity and for them to reciprocate. And I'm not going to name names, but I had an interaction with someone uh, from the West Coast recently uh, that probably most people that listen to this podcast know who the person is. And I was a little bit taken aback. And I'm like, you know what? They're they're either going to come around or they're just not going to be accepted here and they're going to go away, which is okay too. Hopefully they'll come around. But I think that, you know, maybe to be more specific with the answer to your your question, I, I think as long as we continue to we meaning all of the people in Austin continue, you know, with sort of that vibe that, hey, we're here to help make this the best city pot that we can possibly make it. And we're not trying to make it the Bay Area and we're not trying to make it New York and we're not trying to make it Chicago. We're trying to be uniquely Austin. The more that we can convey that, I think the more that the people coming in will assimilate into that. So it's, it's, it's on us to do it, right? To continue to be those people, you know, to be these wonderfully collaborative people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The first Austin is more important than the next Silicon Valley or the next whatever. Totally. You know, I, I'm sure you guys hear it too. I hear it all the time when I when I talk to um, people that, that are from other, you know, other cities that aren't one of the, you know, currently considered top tier startup cities when they say, well, we want to be just like Austin. What is Austin doing? I said, the best thing you could do if you want to be like Austin is not be like Austin, be uniquely Charlotte or be uniquely Atlanta or be uniquely whoever you are and own that. So I want to pivot a little bit to Techstars, obviously your your day job. So how do you see Techstars fitting into the Austin innovation ecosystem? What I think is, you know, we've been here a long time now. I think we, we launched in Austin in 2013. I took over the role in 2015. So we've been here now for eight years. Is that right? Yeah, that's the math on that. So I, I, I feel like our role is to be one of many organizations and individuals that have a distinct and unique focus on helping raise up early founders, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean people that are only in idea stage, because certainly I, I invest in companies that are much further along than that on a regular basis through Techstars. But companies that haven't yet found repeatability in their business, I feel like it's part, it's our job to be part of helping as many early stage companies find their path to repeatability as possible. And we're just one of many organizations and individuals who do that. And I think, you know, we have a great and growing um, group of early stage investors, angel investors, there's a whole bunch of organizations and other accelerators in town focused on you know similar markets. And I think one of the things, you know, going back to your first question, one of the things that really is unique about this town is that all of us accelerators, we we don't feel competitive with one another. And in fact, we often trade deal flow. We we often ask each other for opinions if we know companies that have been through one or the other. 
uh, we're always trying to help each other, um, which is, I think, very, very unique. One thing that I've seen just in our short time here is just the sheer volume of incubators and accelerators. I've heard numbers up like upwards of 50 at this point, if not, and probably missing a whole bunch. How did your point like you're being very collaborative? Some have different missions. Some maybe are fly by night. Some are well-established like yourselves. And I say mass challenge. How are you seeing the support system kind of evolving and, and growing or just changing? Yeah, I, I think it's it's evolving, growing, and changing all the time. Probably the the best way to answer that is, you know, we're we are all all heads down and busy, right? Like, you know, I'll use um, Josh from Capital Factory or you know Joe from Sputnik as two examples, right? These are folks like we. If if there's ever a time where they need something and they reach out to me or vice versa, response is instantaneous and it's always yeah sure. What can we do to help? hundred percent of the time. And at the same time, we're all really, really busy. So like, I don't necessarily, you know, talk to them like every single day, although sometimes that does is the case. And then sometimes weeks go by, but certainly, you know, any of us reach out to one another and it's always like the, the first response that I always feel like I'm getting is, yeah, what can I do to help you, Amos? And it's always the same in reverse. Like, what can we do to help? You have a company that needs help? Sure. Happy to open up the, the network. You know, you're looking at a company and you want some research, sure, happy to do it. Something else, office space, whatever whatever the thing might be. Um, and I think growing, evolving, changing, I think the, the only thing that adds to that is there's more. I, you said 50. That blows my mind. I couldn't name all 50, um, which is probably bad on me and I probably should be able to. But if any of you other, any of you are out there that we haven't connected yet, please reach out because we certainly want to be able to help you deliver impact to the companies that you're working with. So since there are quite a few out there and each kind of have their own unique pitch. So what is, you know, talk to me about the Techstars program. You know, what is your ideal candidates? How does it kind of go? What is it the, uh, what are you looking for and what do you guys actually do? Yeah. Um, there's a lot loaded in that question. So I'll try, I'll try to be semi-succinct and feel free to dig in. So uh, the first thing I'll say is that for those of you who know or don't know Techstars, there's 50 more people like me around the world. And that number is growing. There'll probably be, you know, a hundred or more in the next two years of me's around the world. And while the general framework of what we do is the same from, from city to city, the way that we do it is not the same. So I'll describe to you the general framework, and then I'll talk to you about what we do here in Austin. And so just knowing that you know, if you go talk to someone in LA or Atlanta or New York, like there's a lot of similarities to the general framework, but the, the, you know, the way what's inside the sausage is not exactly the same. What I look for in companies, and I would say, so Techstars would say, we, we look um, that the founding teams are the most important piece of that. And I think if you go by managing director by managing director, they have different flavors of how they measure that and use that as a tool to find the kind of um, companies that we want to invest in. For me, I, I'm, I'm pretty distinct about it. Most of my decision, 70% of my decision is based on conviction, my conviction that the CEO has the ability to build a meaningful business and attract and retain great talent. And so it's not an easy thing to quantify, but it's I'm, I'm trying to use lots of tools and pattern matching from my 25 years of you know, working with people to help get better and better at figuring that out. But, you know, and one of, you know, just one of my reads is like, if I were going to go back to the operating side, is this a CEO that I would personally want to work for? I use that as sort of one of my gauges. So that's, that's the bulk of my decision-making. The next piece of my decision-making is when I meet the founding team, do they seem cohesive? 
And do they seem to be the right team to work on whatever they're working on? So by cohesive, I mean, you know, are each of, does it, do I get the sense that there are, uh, that there are individuals acting as individuals, or do I get the sense that they are truly a team with a greater goal that they're all striving for together? Hard to sort of pull that out, but I, that's the thing that I'm trying to gain distinction around. And then the, are they the right team? Doesn't mean that they have to come from the industry, but it's like, what, what makes them unique in the thing that they're doing? That makes me think like, yeah, this, this team, this team has, you know, some unique quality that gives them a leg up against another team. And then the last piece for me is how interesting is the market? I don't care about the product because I, one of my learnings over the last 25 years of being in startups is that whatever you are, even post-Series A, but certainly pre-Series A, the likelihood that it is going to evolve is 100%. How much it evolves is, you know, could be a complete pivot or it could be just a shift in who your customer is or how your product is delivered, but 100% it's going to change. So if we've got the right, the right leader and the right team and we're in an interesting market, we'll figure out the best opportunity to capitalize on it. So that's how I think about it. There's, so there's different flavors of that for, for, uh, for every uh, tech startup organization. And so what does success look like then? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we're venture capitalists. So success is what is the largest exit that we can get by maintaining the largest ownership percentage at point of exit. <laughs> right. I, I think though, and I'm, I would assume that, that you're not going to have these uh, you know, unicorns at the end of your program. So how do you kind of assess, you know, is it just, hey, they've reached series A and they've gotten some funding or they're getting traction? Like how, obviously different, you know, markets and uh, sectors have different kind of measures, but how are you thinking that, yes, I feel good about where they are when they've completed our program? Yeah, that, it's, that's a great question that I would say every early stage investor around the world struggles with. And one of the, and I, this is not how I gauge it, but I think an easy gauge for people is to say, have they fundraised and how much have they fundraised? And even at Techstars, that is an early that is a KPI that we we currently use, but we're trying to evolve from that. And one of my goals, and I'll, I'll tell you what I'm doing now, but one of my goals over the next 18 to 24 months is to get more quantitative around what I'm just going to describe to you and how I think we're going to get earlier indicators, real KPIs of the of the potential success of a business, knowing that there is always outside things that can you know that could impact it. Right? There's a global pandemic. It's going to kill some businesses and put wind in the sails of others. Can't you know? You can't predict those things. But um, there's a. I wrote a. a I collaborated on, collaborated on a book with three other individuals a couple of years ago, or I guess about a year ago. It came out called Levers. Um, it's a process that I've been using for, frankly, almost two decades now at different companies that I've been at, and to sort of formalize that process and have been implementing that process inside of the TechStars companies that come through my programs. What I haven't done yet is, is added the, the measures along the way that start to tell us early success. But the, the idea of the process is a deep understanding of, and I mean deep understanding of who you believe your customer will be versus who it actually is, a deep understanding of what you believe your, your business model is and the drivers versus what it ends up being and how you measure those things. And so over the next couple of years, what I'm trying to do is start to look back at the companies that have been through previous programs who have applied the process companies that are currently going through and future companies to say, what are the, what are the common indicators that have nothing to do with fundraising and fundraising may end up being one of those things. But what I'm really looking for is, is the velocity of learning around customer segment, business model, and ability to execute over time. 
So I'm looking for indicators in those three areas, which you know you can build a hundred or two hundred or, or billion dollar company without ever raising a dime of capital. But how do you know that you're potentially on that path, or or how do you know when you really need to raise money to put the pedal down versus to learn? So that's what I'm striving for, but I'm not there yet. I want to pivot back to the conversation about talent for a minute. You've been dealing with early stage companies for a long time now. You started with the products company and helped them convert from a a standard kind of mail order company into an e-commerce company. And you talked about the CEOs and you talked about the management teams. What would you say was your starting point in terms of that journey, in terms of understanding how those management teams come together and what they really have to have to be a successful startup? I would say I, I, I kind of know the moment where it started to click for me and it was after being a part of six companies and already being a tech stars, there wasn't a moment like in the middle of all of that, where I could have articulated what I'm about to articulate. I think I was really fortunate and really lucky to have been around both sort of extreme great teams and leaders and awful teams and leaders. And frankly, not a lot in the middle, at least looking back. Um, And so there was a moment I was probably, I had run my first program already and one of my closest friends and mentors is a, a guy by the name of Mark Solon, who um, he's no he, he's still at Techstars uh, formally, but he's not part of the day to day anymore. But he was the he, he raised the first Techstars fund and he's been part from the very beginning. He and I were talking one day about how to select great companies and he's been really successful. He was a VC long before Techstars. He's been a VC for 25 years. And he said he said what I said to you earlier, which is his best success is when he would look at a CEO and say, I would follow this person into the fire. And I, and I sort of took that and, and I remember exactly where we were when we said it, we were actually sitting on the, on the beach after a surf and he said it to me and I've sort of reflected back on my career about the, the, you know, the things that worked and the things that didn't work. And that was one of the things that I was able to sort of like very quickly identify the things that worked where the companies were like, yeah, I, there was something intuitively that I wanted to be a part of this thing. And I was following a, a, a person more than the idea. And I'll give you like some really quick examples of that. Uh, I use hotjobs and business.com as two examples. I would say from a passion perspective, I'm not sure that I ever really like would have ever said in advance, I want to help people find jobs or I want to help small businesses find products and services to help their small businesses. I don't know that those are words that ever would have come out of my mouth. They might now because I've changed the way that I think about things and I've evolved. But what I was really excited about on both of those companies, first and foremost, was the leaders of those companies. They captivated me. I was like, I want to be around this person more. I feel like this is going to be something amazing. I, you know, I can only do that in retrospect. I, at the time, it just sort of was very natural. And then out of that, because of who they were, they were solving things that they were very obsessed about and passionate about. And I use those words differently. And so it got me excited about it because we were delivering very real value to the people that we were trying to serve because they were so obsessed and passionate about it. One of the things that happens often over the course of the journey of the startup is that the skill sets change, the requirements change. When you're working with a startup, whether it's through Techstars or after they graduate, how do you have that conversation with the founding CEO? You know, I think 
for me, in a lot of ways, it's easier than a typical investor because of the way that we set up our relationship from day one, the way that, that I try to set it up with everybody. Um, and also a little bit is probably just my personality, which is, hey, look, we're, we're going to be really honest and vulnerable with each other from day one. I try to lead that by example. And in most cases, the, the CEOs will reciprocate that because I just bring their guards down. Like I don't hide anything. I tell them whatever they want to know. I tell them things that, you know, that I'm feeling versus what I'm seeing and why, um, and explain it to them. And so I, for, with most of the CEOs I work with, we have really deep relationships pretty quickly.